This cup of Earl Grey is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform for creating a blog, website, portfolio, or online store. To create your own space, visit squarespace.com and save 10% by using offer code TREK10. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. T. Earl Grey, hot. It is time for another serving of Earl Grey, our dedicated TNG show. I'm Philip Gilfus, sitting in the center chair this week. I'm joined by my co-host, currently tending bar in 10 forward, Daniel Prue. How are you doing, Daniel? And what's today's drink special? Ah, uh, tending bar, right? Because I'm the one that was drinking on Trek News and Views, right? That's what it is. And drinking now, I think our viewers should know. <laughs> well, I would say that uh, the black hole is tonight's drink of choice for sure. So is that because it kind of just sucks you in the more you drink or is it uh, just you use that much power in order to make the drink? Well, because singularities are the things that make the Romulan warbirds go. So, and obviously, as you know, I'm a huge fan of the Romulans. So that is why you're going to wake up and you're not going to know where you are and how you got there. That's why they're the black hole. So you are a Tal Shiar spy working in 10 forward. Does Guinan know about this? Uh, wh- what is the Tal Shiar? Ah, all right. Uh, that's a good cover. Stick with that. All right. Well, I'm also joined by my scant-wearing co-host, Darren Moser, who is currently roaming the ship's corridors in the background. How are you doing, Darren? You're just jealous I have the legs to pull it off, okay? It's true. It's true. Now, I do have a question for you. You will be wearing the scant for the first year of Earl Grey, or is it going to be for the entire run of the series? Possibly. Hopefully, I don't get retconned or killed in our seventh, you know, episode by some, you know, black tar, you know, that targets only the scant wearing amongst the crew. But there, there must have been some great scant plague because you never see us after season one, and, and except in sock footage. So, well, you know, they did kind of transition to the formal uniforms for next generation. That's true. When you're wearing a formal uniform, you know, or a scant, it's really important what boots you choose cuz really that's that's where everyone's looking. I love those dress uniforms. I know this is totally off topic. Do you guys like those dress uniforms or not? I actually really like the dress uniform, you know, the dress uniforms. I do like that it's literally a dress uniform. No, I like them. I like how the pips are kind of on the shoulder, almost actually that's how Enterprise does it now with the square pips in that same kind of position. But I liked it because it, it made the pips more visible, especially I don't think they had quite made it onto the collar yet at that time. It was still kind of the, the no collar, no beard, dark ages. So. It was sort of a sneak preview of the uniform to come. You know, it's season one, season two, they're wearing like the collar formal uniform. You're like, that could turn into something. I wonder. Although in TOS, you had the, you know, let's put a bunch of little Boy Scout badges all over our dress uniforms. Uh, it was a little more classy than that. <laughs> so, yeah, because, you know, TNG kind of has like multiple personality disorder when it comes to dress uniforms. Like, I think in Deep Space Nine and Voyager and Enterprise, like beyond TNG, all of those series kind of had an established dress series uniform, but TNG kind of fluctuated. They could never decide what exactly they wanted, but I really like those, the long dress ones. Those are my favorite. I well, I admit I do like the movie uh, dress uniforms. I mean, they're, they're very, having been in the military myself, it does remind me sort of what we call the dress mess 
uh, formal uniforms that uh, senior officers will wear. But but I do like that one, and you know, um, and and I think they actually wore them in every one except in, in uh, Insurrection and in uh, Nemesis. The white ones is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, I like they're kind of pretty. I think the white movie dress uniform is one of those costumes that translates really well to cosplay. I think anyone who's ever been in that in a cosplay, they, they pull it off really well. It's hard to pull off a standard TNG uniform because usually they don't quite fit right. You can tell they haven't really been tailored, but the dress uniforms, I think because everyone makes them custom, they always look good on people. Yeah. Why is the, why is the standard TNG uniform so hard to get right? It's weird, isn't it? Like, you know, it's easy to get the TOS uniform, obviously, because that's a... It's a big t-shirt. Pajamas. Yeah, but why does it seem like people have such a difficult time pulling off the TNG uniform? And I've never understood it. Even the com badge people don't get right a lot. Well, one reason we should all be in dress uniform is we definitely want to mark here on Earl Grey that last week on September 28th, that marked the 26th anniversary of The Next Generation, which premiered on September 28th, 1987. So we certainly want to mark that for all our listeners and and are glad that the legacy still lives on here on Earl Grey 26 years later, um, which is almost as old as one of our co-hosts. That's right. Yep. Uh, (laughs) If TNG premiered in September, I was born about six months later in February. So... That's right. I'm just a shy bit older than uh, TNG. This year also has a great milestone in that it's the 47th anniversary of Star Trek in general. And everyone knows 47 is just a magic number. Well, speaking of magic, let's get to today's topic. Every ship must have a captain and every Star Trek series must have a leader. Captain Jean-Luc Picard formerly of the Stargazer, commanding officer of the Federation Starship Enterprise. He led the crew of the Enterprise D and E and provided an iconic role as a Starfleet captain for a new generation. So I just want to get into the topic right away. And let's just talk about first about what were your first thoughts about Captain Picard when you saw him? You know, what was your first reactions during whatever episodes you watched? And and did your opinion of him change over time? So, Daniel, you're, you're... We'll let the youngest go first here. So what was kind of your first opinion of Picard? And, and did it kind of change over time or did it always stay the same? Is, is that going to be a thing now that I'm the youngest one here? Um, unless you put yourself in a time machine, you will always be the youngest, yes. So like as I've talked about here on Earl Grey before and on other shows, I, I don't really remember a time in my life where TNG wasn't there. I mean, I, it's always been a part of my life. I've always watched it as far back as I can remember. So I've not always watched it in order to the question that you're asking. He doesn't change over time for me. To, to me, he's he's an everlasting character. He The strength of his character kind of lasts throughout to me from season one, even through Nemesis. I mean, you know, he's my captain for sure. I mean, he is the, the captain that I look up to and respect the most. He's the guy that even though he would be a, a tough guy, he'd be a hard ass to serve under. I mean, no doubt about it. If you're a junior officer of all the captains, I would think, and maybe Cisco might give him a little run for his mummy. Of all the captains, he is the toughest. He he expects the most out of the people under his command, but he demands the most respect. And and he gets he gets the most out of me. So so you'd be a little uh, scared little ensign walking into the the Federation flagship hoping you didn't spill coffee on the captain on your first day there on the Enterprise? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> or hot chocolate, excuse me. I would totally be that ensign and and totally be the ensign that was that pulled for the Enterprise because as Wesley says in an episode, you're Jean-Luc Picard. How many people can say they've served under you? He was a legend 
before he commanded the Enterprise, and not even Kirk can say that. Very true. What about you, Darren? What were your sort of first impressions, and and did they stick with you throughout these 26 years of The Next Generation? Yeah, I think Captain Picard, I mean, he is my favorite captain, kind of hand-in-hand with TNG being my favorite series. I like to see how Picard changes from Encounter at Farpoint through season one. The character is very loose in the very beginning. And and that happens at all Star Trek shows where the actors are still getting used to their roles and you can tell they're they're just following the script because they don't know the Bible. They don't know the essence of the world that their character is supposed to be in. And as it progresses, you just get a stronger and stronger character because they know this is something Picard would say or this is something that Geordi would say. And it's so interesting to see Picard in Encounter at Farpoint as he's kind of almost skipping around the bridge, just really loose in his movement, kind of, oh, let's go over here. Oh, yeah, is he, I mean, again, that iconic moment in the beginning when he steps out into the light from his backlight on that window of the Enterprise D. But as his character progresses, I see season one really flushing out him. I mean, just in the in the ninth episode, you have such a backstory that's revealed in him in the battle. And you see all about his last command. You see, you know, this turbulent point where he kind of changes as a character. Looking at TNG in general... I mean, the original series, it's it's definitely Kirk's show. I mean, it's Kirk's helm. It, it, he's usually the key player in most episodes. It wasn't really till TNG where you start to have a lot of, okay, now it's a Data episode, and now it's a Geordi episode, and now it's a Worf episode. In the original series, it was, it was that golden trio pretty much every time. And you kind of, you definitely had that difference between the main cast and kind of the ensemble cast. So it was really great to see how Picard evolved in that first season because they they had to focus on him enough to flush him out and to differentiate him from Kirk uh, and, and start those Kirk or Picard wars early. You know, I just, I love the character. I love his speeches. I love what he stands for. And I think it's a great, he's a great role model in the Trek universe. And did Captain Picard strike you as l'homme français, a Frenchman? Or, or did you just think that was just like, eh, he has a name that's French? Something I've always wondered in the Star Trek universe is when they're learning things, especially in the TOS and the Enterprise era, and they say, oh, I know Vulcan, all three dialects. Well, what about English? Do you know English, all dialects? Because there are a lot of dialects in the English language just alone. So I'm wondering what exactly comes through a universal translator from Picard? What is he hearing when the Romulan speaks? Is he hearing French? Okay, wait, no, don't, don't. Let's just not, because we're going to open a ridiculous can of worms with the universal translator. It, let, let's just avoid that subject because this is a Picard show and we can't get into the, the the mechanics of the Universal Translator. That's way too deep of a rabbit hole to get into. And the answer, Darren, is yes, of course it's French, because what other language is superior? All right. As for as for me, you know, you know, I, I, I'm definitely excited to be sort of captaining this episode about Captain Picard because as with you two, I mean he's He's such a big part of my life. In fact, he's such a big part. I'm almost embarrassed to talk about how much of a big part of my life he is because like you two as well and like many of our listeners, um, you know, I started watching as a, as a very young, impressionable boy, you know, 10 years old, nine years old. And to me, you know, just the way it hit me at that time, 
Captain Picard was my role model. Like that is what a man is supposed to be. And so that kind of warped me for both good and for ill in how I grew up. I mean, you know, it's like, okay, well, a real man is a Renaissance man. You know, you had this guy who was into horse riding, you know, had his own saddle as any serious rider would. He was in archaeology. He was into Shakespeare. He's in classical music. He ended up learning to play a flute. He was big into reading, you know. Big, how many characters are big into reading? Shipbuilding. He even attempted to paint every now and then. And so, like, I grew up going, well, then I need to l read Shakespeare. I need to drink Earl Grey tea and grow up and have a podcast that I name it after. Appreciate all these things and read books because that's what a man is. That's what Captain Picard is. And and that's how I, I kind of grew up. So did any of you all have that experience of, like, kind of establishing any Picard qualities into yourselves as you grew up? Did you Were you, like, a 10-year-old, you know, eating with your parents going, you know, where's the Earl Grey on this menu? <laughs> Uh, well, I, I've I've never gotten into tea, but I do have to say that when you brought up the shipbuilding uh, example, it does make me think of that episode where, <laughs> and we very rarely see Picard in this form, but when he was so excited and he was talking about ship in a bottle, you know what I mean, number one, right? And he's in the transporter and he's talking to, uh, I think it's Riker, Worf, and uh, O'Brien, and, <laughs> and nobody gets it except for O'Brien. He's like... What I did, I did when I was younger. It's a, it's, it's such a. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Mr. O'Brien. And you kind of get the idea that Riker looks at him and he's like, you're such a suck up, man. You never did that. Someone's trying to get another pip on their collar. That means nothing because they're still an enlisted member, even though it says lieutenant. Have you seen the outtake for that scene? I think it's on one of the blues. Oh, it is the funniest outtake I've ever seen on TNG. Basically, you know, he's saying the lines and he's saying, didn't anyone play, you know, with, with bottle ships as a little boy and, and Michael Dorn like in character says, you know, I didn't play with little boys and everyone <laughs> just starts cracking up and just, you, you could tell they can't carry on the scene for like another five minutes. And it is literally the, the funniest TNG outtake I've ever seen. So I just, when you mentioned that, I just had, had to bring that up. So it was basically like an episode of Earl Grey where we have to edit out 20 minutes of us laughing at an inappropriate joke that never makes it. And we have to save it for our after hours 50 Shades of Earl Grey podcast. That never happens, Gil. I just... <laughs> <laughs> but I, I haven't seen that, but I will definitely look that up. But yeah, I was just reminded of that because we see Picard in a very rare form at that moment when he's like really excited and willing to show it to his lower officers, like how excited he is about something so simple as, as building a model ship in a bottle. Because he's larger than life for 90% of the show. He is the captain... Okay, like I'm going to ruffle some feathers right now. I'm just letting you guys know this is going to be controversial. But he is the captain that Cisco and Janeway wished they were. And this is, I only say Cisco and Janeway because they were after Picard or contemporaries of Picard. But but he is the penultimate captain. He's even the, the captain that Kirk would look up to, I think. And eventually does, kind of. But that's, another, that's a subject for another. Yeah, he looks up to him as he's dying. And he looks up, and there's Picard. Yeah, that's, which is another, which is another uh, subject for another podcast. But he is the ultimate representation of the Roddenberry dream. I think Picard. He is the highest that we can achieve. He is the most flawless ideal of a human being that we get in Star Trek. He, not that he doesn't have issues, that he doesn't have flaws, but he he represents the best that humans can achieve. And I think that that's what makes him such a powerful character. And I think that aspect of him is what makes 
like the episode tapestry so powerful because we see what if this character with such drive and ambition didn't have that at a key point in his life and he's a science department lieutenant and junior grade 25 years in starfleet and he's only been promoted once exactly and it, it makes you wonder you know when you see some of the background actors walking around and you see some of the you know older ones with the silver hair and you're like wow what do you, like usually you're behind a desk and and it just makes you wonder what are their stories as well well, well one reason i did want to ask you all about um whether your impressions of picard had remained constant I think as I grew older, and again, I, as I, you know, tried or attempted to, you know, kind of like use Picard as an imprint of how to be, the more I, I grew up and realized, you know, as, as Daniel, like you were talking about some of the flaws to his character. I mean, you know, for instance, here's a man who's made a decision to put career first, doesn't choose family consciously, doesn't choose to be married, doesn't choose to have children. And so he reaches a point in his life, you know, more in the movies, but even throughout the TV series, where there's a slight regret there. You know, he always says, well, I can't stand children. But there's always a slight regret of, did I give up too much? And he also, the way he walls himself up, Daniel, like you said, as, as a captain, you know, you don't see that style necessarily in Janeway or in Cisco, where they kind of create this wall. And But that's how Picard believes a captain should be. You know, I shouldn't share my emotions with my crew. And so in some ways he chooses to be lonely. And so, I mean, I think I, I got a lot of that without knowing it growing up. And so, you know, in order to be this leader, you need to, you know, have your poker face on and, and not let people in. And then like, well, is, you know, is that the best way? And is that a lonely life? I mean, you can be a good leader, but, you know, do you have some personal fulfillment issues down the road? So, you know what? Everything you just said is what makes All Good Things such a powerful episode. It's the fact that after seven years, he does let down that guard. It lets down, literally and figuratively, his poker face and says, you know, I should have done this a long time ago. And we all understand that he did that out of respect for his position and his authority. But he even understands, maybe that's not exactly where I should be. Maybe, you know, he, he learned that important lesson over the, the whole course of the series. And it's just interesting that you, that you, the, 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 the fact that you said poker face really made me think of that scene there. I'm reminded of that line in um, Cupid, where he tells Vash that, you know, it would be inappropriate for a captain to share his feelings with the crew. And she responds, is that a Starfleet regulation? Or are you just making that up? You're right. I think that's one of the things that made Vash's character so appealing is that she was in such contrast to Picard's just who he was as a person. And she just saw straight through to him, to the man. She saw past the captain was like, you're a man, just like every other man. And I'm going to treat you as such. Well, one thing we've done so far is mention a lot of good episodes. And so I just wanted to take a quick poll here and see what y'all thought was sort of the best Picard episode. And you can define that however you want. So again, we'll, we'll go by reverse age. Daniel, what, what's your best, quote unquote, best Picard episode? Oh, that, I mean, how hard is that question? Again, of, of all the captains, Picard would probably be the most difficult person to ask that question. I mean, you, you of course, you have the obvious ones, like The Inner Light, which is widely regarded as, as one of the best Star Trek episodes of all time. And here we go. Here's an opportunity for you guys to, to earn a, a torpedo sound. Uh, what is the episode? The Four Lights episode. Ch uh, that's Chain, of, Chain command. of Command. Parts one and two. Chain of Command. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, come on. Patrick Stewart is just an incredible actor. You're right. I would probably have to give it to something like Tapestry, honestly, where you just watch it and you're like, here's a real person larger than life that he appears sometimes. 
He is a real person who has honest regrets of his life. He doesn't know any better than any of us do what to do, but he holds these things in such high esteem that he's willing to sacrifice his own enjoyment and his own pleasure for the, the greater good. And so I think that's just a, just a shining example of, of the man that Captain Picard is. I mean, and that's a very interesting episode. I heard it once said in, a, in another podcast that tapestry kind of reveals, you know, we always, or some people can always compare Kirk to Picard, you know, Kirk's this swashbuckler, Picard's this, you know, P, political, politically correct, whatever. But in tapestry, we see that when Picard was young, he was Kirk. He was womanizing. He was, you know, having fights every other day. And so it's interesting to see that he was Kirk. And just as he grew older, he used those qualities that we see in Kirk, whether it's the um, J.J. Kirk or whether it's the, the, the prime universe Kirk. And he used that and grew up to be this, you know, mature man that we see in uh, Next Generation. And yeah, right. I mean, Kirk in the original series is supposed to be the youngest captain ever, right? So maybe, uh, yeah, maybe if he had gone up the ranks the usual way, maybe he'd be a little more like Picard. All right, Darren, what about you? What is your quote unquote best Picard episode? Well, like Daniel said, it, it is a very difficult decision to make. And, and there are definitely episodes that focus on Picard exclusively. There's ones that are more ensemble episode, but they you, you, you see Picard's command style or you see a piece of his history. I was leaning strongly towards one of my favorite episodes of The Gambit being you see a lot of the archaeological Picard, but I think I'm going to vote for Family as the third part of the Best of Both Worlds unofficial trilogy. And you again, just like Tapestry, you get this peek at the man behind Picard, that, that behind the captain, and you see his family, you see his brother, and I love the interplay between him and his brother. It, it's just because we all have family members that bring the best and the worst out of us. That conflict especially for for Star Trek, you know, that's why writers write conflict because it draws emotion out of our characters. And But you, you can see through all of that that he truly loves his brother and he loves his nephew and he is haunted by the acts of being assimilated. And it really does take, you know, this dose of family to uh, help him recover from basically PTSD, having witness something but not just witnessing but not being able to control yourself i would i would almost extend family two minutes forward in that last scene of the best of both worlds part two where he has that look on his face and you realize that he remembers it all that look onward through family is just such a great great piece of television yeah, I, mean, I think it's so poignant because watching Best of Both Worlds, and I don't know when I first saw it, whether it was live or, you know, in syndication or whether it was just a rerun, you, you saw this sort of episodic next generation. And I think we've talked about this before. You know, okay, these episodes happen and then we reset the next episode. And so you see Best of Both Worlds Part 2 and you're like, okay, well, it's over. So I assume that we're just going to go on from this. And so you just see Picard drinking that tea after talking with Troy, but then he just pauses, like you said, puts the tea down walks up, goes, looks out the window, and there's that the musical chord that you just know, just through that music and him looking out the window that this is going to be with us for the rest of the series. Not to get too far off on a tangent, but I really hate what they do in Generations to his brother and his nephew. And it's like, you know, I get it. I see what you did there for drama. But, it, <laughs> I mean... For drama! <laughs> it's like, come on, you know... 
you could have done anything else. You could have even put them in the in the movie. Uh, whatever. I'm not going to get into that right now. Family is such a powerful episode, and I feel like Generations kind of takes it away a little bit. If you're watching Family and you have seen Generations, and you're like, well, I guess this is all for naught because they're just going to die in some stupid fire. It's like, oh, it's so frustrating. It's like, I want to see uh, his nephew one-upping Wesley in the Academy or something. I, I don't know. It just feels like a, we were robbed. It would have been really interesting if a slight change on that part of the story, if instead of Renee dying, his brother died and he still has a moment of sorrowness, but he does have the the knowledge of, but we kind of set things right while I was last there. Now Picard has to make a choice where I have this nephew of mine, my uncle, and I have to decide how much do I want to be in his life? Do I want to bring him on board? And obviously they don't have to worry about cashing in on that because it's it's just a movie. But presenting that argument to Picard, I think, would have been a very interesting on how, how he's trying to react to that of, wow, now I have this opportunity to be a stepfather to this family of mine. Am I going to make that same choice again, now again? I think that, like you said, I, I never really thought about could they have done that differently, but I think that would have been a very interesting way to take in a still impactful moment, but not they died and we're just going to, we just need to bring Picard to tears because that's, it's a movie. Yeah, I, I think, and we'll talk about Generations at some future date, but if you think Generations is all about taking away, you know, Kirk dies, take Kirk away. The Enterprise D dies, as we talked about last week, take that away. Fam, you know, Picard's family dies, take that away. And so it's all about, I guess, I don't know, you can correct me if I'm wrong. You know, we take these things away. But Spot didn't die. Exactly. But we take these things away, and so does it allow us to start anew? So, you know, Enterprise D dies, we get Enterprise E. You know, Kirk dies, so now, you know, Picard has the legacy and the family taking that family away. And so what identity does Picard have? So, you know, it's 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 certainly a, a lot of losses in that movie. As some more effective than others. Actually, maybe none of them are as effective as they could have been, unfortunately. But yeah, again, that's that is a... <laughs> topic for a different podcast that's right well you know darren you put me in a position because my episode that i chose was family as well so i could either stick with that or choose a new one i'm just going to stick with my answer and just you know again you said pretty much everything i don't want to repeat it but i think what the family episode shows again for me again for my my embarrassingly uh, personal role modeling of picard shows his strengths and weaknesses again like we said you know Here's the the hero Starfleet captain, and Robert talks about all the great things Picard did growing up. You're always the hero. You always accomplished everything. You know, Valak Victorian, arms raised in victory, you know, all of that stuff. But then we also see that soft Picard, because guess what? Robert has a family. Picard doesn't. And then also we see, of course, the ultimate poker face going down with Picard breaking down which I mean is to me is I can watch that watch that episode every time and I will have some ocular issues with my uh, visor implants every time I watch that episode because you you feel it your your heart breaks for this man who you have watched and who means everything that he can too break down and say I wasn't strong enough they you know because he was basically I mean he was basically raped I mean not in a sexual way but he was basically raped by the Borg he he was taken over he killed people he killed thousands of people. And he has to live with that. 
I mean, the fact that he can even go back to the Enterprise to me is just amazing inner strength. I mean, I, that's almost unbelievable to me. You know, it'd be more believable to stay on Earth. But but I definitely agree with you. That that's a great episode. It's okay, Philip. I think the emotion ship is worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, there are two times in every viewing of Family that I have that I'm I'm in the same place as you are, Philip, because because that the Picard and Renee scene get me every time, and Worf and his parents get me every single time. That's such a beautiful. I mean, overall, that episode is fantastic. Even the weaker link of of Wesley and his father is still very emotionally impactful. It's a great episode. But it's tough to watch sometimes, for sure. There's my favorite scene of all of Next Generation, which has never been shown on TV or in the movies. And it is a deleted scene. It's actually an incomplete scene. Deleted scene from Nemesis. And it features Picard and Data talking in Picard's quarters. And it's, it is, to me, the best scene because Picard talks about this to Data because Data's saying, like, oh, what does this mean? Riker's leaving. Troy's leaving. What does this mean? You know, why is everyone sad and happy? And Picard talks about life changes and that life moves on. And Data, soon you'll be on a command of your own. And I've made these choices in my life, you know, to pursue Starfleet. And I'm trying not to do a Picard imitation while I do this. You know, to not marry or have children. But all these things he talks about, the losses, but also the celebrations. And he you know, realizes that his younger days are behind, kind of like generations. And, you know, it's it's and he's reflecting on the choices he's made. But uh, it is a great scene. It is just the greatest Picard scene ever. So I'll I'll definitely put that on the show notes so everyone can see that if they haven't already. Yeah, I remember when you shared that with me and, and I watched it. It was definitely a, an incomplete scene that the effects were kind of off in the window, but the acting was not incomplete by far. Uh, Patrick Stewart and Brent Spiner were in their prime form. There was so much back emotion in that scene it was all the seven years, all the movies just wrapped up and you could take it on two levels. You could take it on what they were saying, but you could definitely take it on, okay, I know these characters and I know what, they, what they're what they really feeling. Well, right now, we you know, we know that if Captain Picard was listening to this podcast, he'd be very embarrassed and would probably have turned it off by now. So, and I know Daniel is probably in favor of us worshiping the Picard as a god. But instead, what we're going to do is now go around and just talk about, you know, as we're always here on Earl Grey, we try to look through everything. What's the bad thing about Picard? You know, what's something about Picard that you maybe thought didn't work out or something they could have done better or just a character flaw? So, Darren, what would you say? What was the sort of the, the bad or, or at least the least favorite thing about Jean-Luc Picard? I don't want to cop out, but it, it's interesting. The first thing I think of is just the episode where... It's not him. It's the it's the replicant that's leading the crew over to the Pulsar. Allegiance. That's the name of the episode. I, I mean, I know that's not actually Picard, but it's just funny. That's what I first think of, which is Picard not being Picard. He's he's having drinking songs with his men and ten forward, and he's showing up at the poker meeting, and it's almost like he walks in, and goes, "Hey, Jordy, uh, how's that efficiency going?" It's like what? What are you? What are you talking? And about? that tells you everything about Picard right there. Well done. <laughs> it's like he's gonna walk up and fist bump him. You know, it's just not Picard. I mean, I don't again mean to to cop out with that answer because it it isn't Picard, but it but that just shows how much that character stays strong throughout the series that they have to almost replace him with not Picard to show a Picard we don't like. 
And, and maybe afterwards I will sing that entire drinking song because that is something I have done when I'm alone sometimes. Later, I will order ales for all my officers since I'm captain this week. I love how Worf and Jordy totally did not know that song. <laughs> and they were just completely going along like, no, 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 no. You have to remember, he went to the academy like 30 years ago, so some things may have changed. <laughs> what about you, Daniel, since we've given you the 10 seconds of stalling? What was your, what was your if any, negative or least favorite thing about the captain you know to be fair i agree with darren it's it's really hard to think of a, a negative aspect of picard he's gone through things obviously that none of us ever will or or many other characters in star trek never will and and has triumphed over many many things that we haven't seen that we wouldn't be able to overcome it's really hard to think of something like a negative aspect of him i guess if i had to you know if you twisted my arm i'm twisting your arm <laughs> The, the best I could come up with is, yeah, he, he is distant from his crew. He's distant from the people he cares about most. But that's totally intentional and totally in line with his character. So it's hard to fault him for it. But certainly he learns that lesson at a very great cost. You know, at the end of TNG and even going into the movies as well, you know, you can tell he, he desires and, and very much wants to be closer to everyone else on his crew. But he holds his arms out on purpose, which is something that we admire, but it's something to him. That, that costs him a great deal personally. So I, I guess as much as you can call that a flaw, that's that's what I guess I would say. Well, I wish I could be much like Captain Picard, morally superior to you all, but I too also have nothing, but I actually did have a side note because I said, well, you know, I'm going to have to choose something here. So this, this is my, my something. You know, it does take Picard a little bit, and it kind of reminds me of Janeway with the Doctor. It does take Picard a little bit to get on board with the data as a sentient being because i mean you go into measure of a man he's like well data you should go on the mission and you know we all take our risk yeah well what if you're gonna get broken you know da, da, da. and data's like well you know and then Guinan has to be like well i think this is slavery and so picard's like oh okay well he gets on board defense data but even with the episode the offspring when data has lol you know picard's kind of slow to be like it's not his daughter it's a machine and so it takes him a while to kind of get on board um again but once again he's put into the position of defending data so i mean because usually we see picard respecting life in all of its forms whether it's accidentally created by wesley or whether it's this huge you know godlike powerful thing um unless it's q so it, that was sort of an unusual respect but that was certainly one thing that i thought of sort of that was a kind of a flaw that sometimes he it does take him a while to, to recognize you know and, and alien life though of course he does it right 90 percent of the other time the thing about the offspring is that the reason that he initially seems like he's not interested in lol as a life form i think is because he's just annoyed with the amount of paperwork he's going to have to do with it that's what i mean because he's like oh Data, do you even know what you've done? Like, there are going to be admirals calling me up all the time. I don't want to deal with this right now. Like, I think that's the only reason that he is so put off by it. And Data's response is perfect. I, I don't recall any other members of the crew uh, uh, talking to you about their procreation methods. <laughs> Did Worf get permission for Alexander? Cause... That was on the holodeck, right? <laughs> That's a public area. There are other people walking around in there. Come on now. But yeah, as Picard is searching for sentience and a new life, I think one of the, the, the most dynamic times is when he believes that the holodeck character Moriarty has come alive and Moriarty wants to replicate almost in a Frankenstein manner, replicate the effects that created him to bring his 
you know, his significant other out and Picard just his jaw drops and he says, uh, no, like you are a new life form and we barely understand you to, to willfully create another like you, like, like he almost is going to short circuit, like trying to figure it out. Sometimes it does take him a little while to come around, but that is a great aspect of him. He's always part of Starfleet's directive of searching out for new life that it defines him to the core and two blind spots that i think he has in this regard which are well one's understandable one's just funny q and, and i'm sure we'll talk about q in, in the future but he definitely has a blind spot you know because he kind of goes back and forth between this guy's annoying and he's stopping my crew but on the other hand it's a new life and like in i think uh in a q who I believe. You know, he actually says, yes, Q, you're this brilliant life form. You're why we're here. But at the same time, you're annoying and get off the ship. I only like new life forms when they're not jerks. And then the second example would be the Borg. You know, we go into Hugh, Iborg. You know, he sees that blind spot. Of course, that whole episode's about overcoming prejudice because both him and Guinan. But of course, you know, Picard is understandable why he's not warm and friendly towards the Borg. And certainly we see that erupt in first contact, too. So I think, honestly... And this just popped into my head randomly. I think we would be remiss also in discussing Picard without mentioning Darmok because I think of all the captains, Picard was uniquely uh, suited to that experience. I don't know that anybody else would have gotten out of that situation the way Picard would have. That's true. Just like how Riker was perfect for that exchange program in Matter of Honor, Picard was perfect for going to, you know, Jalad with Tanagra. <laughs> yeah, Picard. I mean, Picard as a diplomat. Obviously, that's what you think of when you think of Picard. That's his strength. If you put any of the other captains in that position, it probably would not have worked out very well. I can picture Archer going, Hoshi, Hoshi, where's the universal translator? I mean, I think this is the episode that really shows me I want Captain Picard to tell me a bedtime story by a campfire. That's really, if I could get that every night, I would go to sleep so peacefully. It's like engine hub. Or Picard telling me a bedtime story by a campfire. I think if if you're looking for a captain to tell you a bedtime story by campfire, I think you're looking for Kurt. No, he, he would sing. Yes. Uh, he just sings, row, row, row your boat. I mean, that's no bedtime story. So if Captain Picard inspired you, Philip, to drink your great tea, did he also inspire you to read the stories of Gilgamesh on the island in the ocean? I I remember reading it in um, freshman year English. Not my um, cup of tea. Uh, Watch out. You're, I'm, I'm your honorable second, and I'm about to take you out there, Philip. Wait, we just lost all our listeners. Oh, just know if you ever get a listener leak, you got to do a barrel roll under that containment door as it comes down. So, so you know, old English, or not English, of course, but um, old poems are certainly a little more difficult to read. So, yeah. But, I mean, him telling it, that's what it makes all the difference. You know, if there's a book on tape for Gilgamesh and it's Captain Picard, I, I, you know, reading it, I'll buy it. And can we, again, just for a real quick side of side note, can we talk about the inner light? Because I think it's important that we touch on it, at least just for a moment. And I, and I don't mean to demean any of the other series or any of the other captains, but I don't think anyone else could have pulled that off but Patrick Stewart as Captain Picard in that episode. And especially in an era of episodic TNG, the inner light is one of the most reference experiences of that character. I mean, the flute is constantly showing up you can tell it profoundly affect him i mean in other episodes when when he says i won't forget you you can tell he means it but there was something about living that experience 
that you can tell changed him as a person. Well, and of course, we use it to open up Earl Grey right here. So it's certainly, yeah, it's, it's a theme that's very recognized with Picard. And I'm going to be very controversial, and I'll say, I really don't, I, I it's not, I'm not saying it's a bad episode. I don't think I enjoy it as much as I do other ones, just because I enjoy Picard as a Starfleet officer. So if you enjoy Picard more as a, a human being, this is a great episode, because he gets, you know, what he always wanted, a family. He gets to see his children. He gets to see his grandchildren. And, you know, and just being Jean-Luc, he can't help but, like, be a, a elder city elder and, and, and scientific and all this stuff and, and all this. I would say the acting level counterpoint to The Inner Light would be Avery Books in Far Beyond the Stars. You Again, you have Benjamin Sisko not playing Benjamin Sisko, and that, that has just such an amazing story and acting potential in, in that episode it's certainly i mean don't get me wrong i, I won't my purpose is certainly not to put down any of the other series or, or other captains and especially something like far beyond i think the, the daniel protests too much well no well no i mean far beyond the stars is important and it's great and it's wonderful picard doesn't go quite over the top that cisco does in that episode but again <laughs> again it's a TNG podcast can you expect me to say anything else are you implying that avery brooks can ham it up Sometimes are you are you saying he's Shatner's? <laughs> I'm not Picard. He says it. I didn't. I would say he goes like one or two percent overboard in that episode. But again, we are the TNG podcast. Let's focus on the TNG shows. We uh, come to our sort of last topic here: best captain or bestest captain. And I think I know where everyone is on that one. But you know, we've talked about all these wonderful things about Picard, and we struggle to think about the bad thing if we can even try and find it. But is there anything you felt like we never saw from Jean Luc during the? seven years on the Enterprise D or eight years on the Enterprise D and in the several years on the Enterprise E, you think anything that was left out, any part of his character or something you would have wished we saw from the good captain. So uh, again, I'll start in our new order of middle child, Darren. <laughs> I would say I'm going to roll this into kind of a technological thing we never saw. I think it would have been great on Captain's Holiday that instead of beaming down to the planet, he had taken the captain's yacht. Because then we get to see the yacht, which I don't know why. It's one of those things with human nature. You tell us about something, but you don't show it, and we just flip out. But have him land the captain's yacht. But then not only do we get to see the yacht, but he could play the card. Hey, have you seen my starship? It's parked right over there. It's 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 mine. It, it you know it's attached to a much bigger starship, which is in orbit. It's it's awesome. Let's let's look at this telescope. I can show you my starship. And he could totally play the captain card. I think many people agree that the captain's yacht would be great. All right. What about you, Daniel? Something you, you felt unfulfilled when it came to uh, worshiping the Picard? Absolutely. In Emissary, we saw Picard interact with Cisco. In Generations, we saw Picard interact with Kirk. In Nemesis, we've seen Picard interact with Janeway. But we've never seen Picard interact with Archer. And... To be fair, he was literally only a holodeck away in the final episode of Enterprise, so he there's no reason why he couldn't have. Don't poke the Enterprise lovers. Don't poke them. <laughs> I love Enterprise. I really do. I love Enterprise. I don't have the vitriol for these other voyages that many people do, and maybe that has to do with my TNG obsession. But right, right now, I'm getting a message from Chris that I'm ignoring. Okay, yes. Go ahead. Talk about these other voyages. And, and I'm not saying they couldn't have done it better, but I'm just saying that, you know, of all the captains, Picard is in the unique position to have interacted with most of the other ones or, or 90% of the other ones. So it's like, why not have him show up on the NX or have 
Archer show up on, on the D at some point. Or the E, I guess it would have been. But yeah, come on, why not? That would have been great. You just want your Captain Summit. You want that crossover. So Kirk is Superman. Cisco coming from the darkest series is Batman. Janeway would obviously be Wonder Woman. Archer, well, I guess he would have to be Green Arrow because he's an archer. And, and and then we have Picard who would be, well, I guess he's technically Lex Luthor. So maybe I guess he's the bad guy in this analogy. But I know a lot of people don't like crossovers, but I would love to have seen uh, an episode or series or, or some sort of event where all of the captains got together. And and you know what would happen? And I guarantee this is the truth. If, if that were to ever happen, Captain Picard would be the leader of that event. And that says everything you need to know about Picard. Okay, well, I guess when it comes to me and what, what I wish we could have seen is is really we did not get a lot of Picard backstory. Now, I know Daniel and Darren both talked about sort of the things we did tear about. But I think one thing that's easy to forget when we're looking at Captain Picard is like this man, he's been like a captain longer than half the crew have been in Starfleet. Like he walks around and like, I have a pip older than you, you know, lieutenants. He was a captain of the Stargazer, or at least served on the Stargazer, that's a little blurry, for 20 years. 20 years, okay, on the Stargazer, either as a captain or, or just serving on board that ship. I mean, that's crazy. And we don't, I mean, the only, I mean, we know about the, the Battle of Maxia, but that's it. We never hear about any of his other crew except for, for just seeing, you know, their little memories there in that one episode. So, I mean, we really don't have a lot of backstory for Picard. I mean, you know, apart from what we see in family and otherwise. That does make you kind of wonder, from an admiral standpoint, who? why do they keep giving Picard ships? Because tw- he, he, he has the Stargazer for 20, then it, he loses it. He has the Enterprise D for seven, and then he crashes it into the planet. And then he gets the Enterprise E, and as soon as I was an admiral getting a mission report saying, yeah, he rammed the ship into the other ship, I'd be like, okay, there's just no more. We got to cut him off. To be fair, he was not in command of the D when it was destroyed. He le- that's right. He left his ship, and then it was destroyed. That looks much better on the mission report. <laughs> and also, let's think about this. All of you Voyager lovers out there. If Picard was was on on a ship for twenty years, there's still a chance for Harry Kim. <laughs> and Kim takes command during a away mission. You know, it's, it'll work out. Well, we have talked about Captain Picard for a while here, and of course, I could talk about Captain Picard for as long as TNG was on the air for twenty six years because he certainly means that much to me. I know he means that much to y'all, and I know he means that much to our audience. But let's just kind of go to our final thoughts here about the good Captain. So. Um, again, I'm mixing it up. So, Daniel, any final thoughts about Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the Starship Enterprise? How do you summarize? I mean, how do you summarize on kind of a character that saved Star Trek? The original series happened and then TNG happened and they took a huge risk on Patrick Stewart. They took a huge risk on this bald French slash Englishman, <laughs> you know, who who's more diplomatic and more calculating. I cannot imagine that that would have been an easy discussion to have with whoever was in charge of the money at that point. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's from London, but it's actually from France somewhere, and he's bald because no one cares about baldness in the 24th century. But yeah, yeah, I mean, like, you know, I mean, he, that's such a huge risk to take. I think we can thank Patrick Stewart and Captain Picard for Star Trek. I think the series would have fallen flat on its face at the end of season one. 
if we didn't have the powerful performance, the commanding performance of Captain Picard. This is a a subject we'll come back to many, many times, without a doubt. As far as I'm concerned, he's the end-all, be-all of captains. He is the alpha and omega. He is the highest that you can reach as a captain. The eternal debate between Kirk and Picard. I am a Picard, 100%. And, And I know you meant to say, sir... Patrick Stewart in that discussion. <laughs> That's right. Yep. Sir Patrick he didn't Stewart. go to knighthood school to be called Mr. Patrick Stewart. <laughs> exactly. All right, Darren, what about you? Your final thoughts on the good captain? Well, yeah, to echo first something that Daniel said, I would hope that when CBS and Paramount, you know, come out of the corner and finally make a decision about this future Star Trek show we've all been wanting, that when that happens, that they will take as much of a risk and as much of a step as we did in TNG and not try to cast a Picard-like character or a Kirk-type character. You just need to do something new, something bold, and you know what? The fans will come to that. So I really hope that they just take that to heart and and try to go into a different direction. But but to, with Captain Picard... I, again, just agree with, with all of you. He's my favorite captain. He gets his great wardrobe change later when he gets his captain's jacket. And that's just an awesome addition to his uniform. And if I had to have someone captaining a starship that I was putting my family on, I, I would always want it to be Jean-Luc Picard. Just don't ask him to babysit. Well, I think you all have had some great thoughts. And I think when it comes to me, and again, this is just, just crazy <laughs> talking about Captain Picard because I could be here forever, but... I think one thing that I really admire about Captain Picard is that, you know, we've talked about how he's this great role model. He's this kind of quote-unquote perfection of 24th century Starfleet and the Federation. But he's also someone, despite being so stern and expecting so much, he also gives people second chances. You know, you think, well, I mess up, you know, I'm going to disappoint this guy. But, you know, we have Ensign Rowe you know, who really messes up, but he gives her a second chance. We have uh, Sato from The First Duty, and then she appears again in... Lower Decks. In Lower Decks, I know, because that's Daniel's favorite episode, where Picard gives this young officer who made a serious mistake at the Academy, someone died, gives her a second chance. I mean, she has to prove herself. And to me, that's Picard. He tests people. From the very first episode, Encounter at Firepoint, he's testing Riker. Is this Riker going to stand up to me like I need a first officer to do? You know, I give him this task to do to put the saucer back together. You know, is he going to give me a bunch of, you know, is he going to complain about it or is he going to do it? And then I'm going to challenge him on beaming down. Is he going to stand up to me or not? He even tests Cisco in their brief meeting. I mean, at the end, when Cisco has come through the end of his transformation, Picard gives him kind of a stern look and says, I don't know if I can forget what you requested but he gives him a second chance and says you know uh, you've convinced me and and i think you are the right person to be here and and i think that's just what i admire because like you know as much as i've tried to be picard through my life i've certainly failed greatly and made many bad mistakes in life but of course i certainly tried to succeed as well but i know that if captain picard you know was was my captain i'd say you know what i made a mistake sir but i'm still going to try and do the best i can and i think you know knowing that he would say like well as long as you can prove that you're doing what you need to do, you know, I'm going to give you that second chance. And to me, that kind of keeps my own drive going. So that may sound silly, but that's kind of something that, that kind of keeps in mind. So as Riker once told a young officer, all you have to ask, what would Picard do? And then you tuck his doll into your shoulder, into your crook of your arm and say, make it so. <laughs> and of all the captains, 
Only Picard has his own day. Well, it's been fun talking about Captain Jean-Luc Picard today, but this is just one of the many Trek topics that we're talking about here on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, The Orb. Aliens of Deep Space Nine. That's a really good question. I honestly never even thought to question the Vorta's idea of their own existence uh, and whether or not it was, you know, just a story. Earl Grey. The 1701D. So correct me if I'm wrong, it's been a little while since I've seen Generations, but is it possible also that before it was used as stellar cartography, it might have been Cerebro? The Ready Room. Homefront and Paradise Lost. See, that's the kind of guy I want to vote for. (laughs) If he says, I don't want to do this, please don't vote for me, that job looks really hard, I'm going to go, I like this guy. To the journey! Collective commentary. Right, no, no, No. the Borg does not... They don't procreate like that. They have to assimilate. Because that, that, I just thought was strange. Okay, so one of the people they assimilated was pregnant, or... Okay. Commentary, Trek stars. Roswell. And that was what Kadams was going for in season one. He saw it as, as more of a, a metaphor than anything. He didn't really care about the actual science fiction behind it. And he said that he got a note from a network exec which just said, Aliens, aliens, aliens. Warp 5. The Sphere Builders. And, and it is a good concept. I think it, uh, and obviously the reasons it was introduced were, were more because of the studio and wanting that uh, looking forward perspective, you know, getting ahead of the 24th century. Trek news and views. Who watches the watchers? Which also brings into question um, Dr. Crusher because, uh, you know, Pulaski can put a new heart in him, but Beverly Crusher can't even heal an arrow wound. Literary Treks. Assignment Earth Comics. I kind of liked it in that it picks up from Assignment Earth, the Star Trek episode, where we find out that Gary Seven has been sent there to find out why the two agents who were supposed to be stopping that missile launch can't do it. What happened to them? And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out these shows and get it on the Daily Trek Talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Windows Phone, Xbox, Zune, or you can stream and download files from the website. Just visit trek.fm slash pd for podcast directory to get all the links. We want to thank all the new fans of Earl Grey for all the feedback we've received on Twitter. And we want to thank our commenters on our show page. And I believe my universal translator may be on the fritz if these names come out wrong. But we want to thank John Bernal and Mike Poteet for leaving comments on our show page on the Trek FM website. And if you want to leave us feedback, just go to trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Just choose the show Earl Grey. And the comment there will go to all three of us by email. You can also use the tab on the right-hand side of the web page to send us a voicemail using your webcam's microphone. And you can just talk to us and other listeners in our forums, as always, at trek.fm forums. In social media, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com trekfm or on Twitter under username trekfm. Before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor for today's show, Squarespace is the web's best hosting and CMS that makes it simple for you to create a beautiful blog, 
website portfolio, online store, or anything else you can imagine. I know I've been playing around with Squarespace, and I know Daniel has also been playing around with Squarespace, and I know Darren's a fan too. I've been trying out the free trial myself, so join with the Earl Grey crew and create your own space today. Just go to squarespace.com for your free 14-day trial, no credit cards required, and then just use the offer code TREK10 to save 10%. You're going to love it, and we really thank Squarespace for their support of Earl Grey and Trek.fm. Also, if you would like to personally support Earl Grey, the network, and our programming, visit Trek.fm slash donate. We have eight alien-themed badges and art prints as a thank you for your contribution, and you can mix and match badges and art prints. There are different levels of donation to choose from, and your contributions help us cover the cost of production, storage, and bandwidth needed to bring Earl Grey and other shows to you each and every week. All right, so Daniel... If anyone is interested in finding about how they can worship the Picard better, you know, what commandments should be issued out by him, and what's the best way they should leave their lives, according to Jean-Luc, where can people find you on the internet? Well, they can find me giving out all that information and any other information related to who watches The Watchers. I now one up Dan on Twitter. That is the number one, not the word. And anytime that people want to talk about that uh, episode of TNG or any episode of TNG or or really any episode of Star Trek, I'm I'm more than willing. So just go ahead and find me there. And Darren, if people want to learn some leg exercises so they can have those shapely gams for their scans, where can people contact you on the internet? Uh, they can talk with me on Twitter under Dr. Sci-Fi. That's D-R-S-C-I-F-I. Or visit my website, DrSciFi.com, where I have my other sci-fi podcast, The Dr. Sci-Fi Show. But I just love talking about sci-fi, talking to people who really enjoy not just Star Trek, but just have a passion for science fiction and just loving that genre. Excellent. And if people want to contact me, they can find me on Twitter. My handle is NC, public servant, NC for North Carolina, where I live and work. And they can also check out many of my TNG-themed articles at the trek.fm website. So we want to thank everyone for listening. Daniel, Darren, and I need to go so we can get our orange clay ready for our Captain Picard Day submissions in time for the contest. Make it so. Live long and prosper. Engage. Fire.